The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory Glory to you, Lord. The Pharisees approached Jesus and asked, Is it lawful for a husband to divorce his wife? They were testing him. He said to them in reply, What did Moses command you? They replied, Moses permitted a husband to write a bill of divorce and dismiss her. But Jesus told them, Because of the hardness of your hearts, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no human being must separate. In the house, the disciples again questioned Jesus about this. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And people were bringing children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he became indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I say to you, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Then he embraced them and blessed them, placing his hands on them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. So there's an obvious theme here of marriage, but I'd like to take John Paul II's approach to marriage and look at it as an icon an icon of our relationship with God. Not only would he say that marriage is an icon of the inner life of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but that it is also an image or an icon of our relationship with God, the relationship that God wants with us. And that's why marriage was elevated by Jesus to the level of a sacrament because it really does communicate a grace to the world, not just to the couple and their family, but to the world, really. It is a sign of God's faithful love for his people and God's passionate love for his people, his profound love for his people, his intimate love for his people. So let's unpack that a little bit. Last night I had a mass in Spanish for the first time in over five years. So I was asking God for help with my Spanish, which I haven't practiced very much at all. And I just asked him for a word, Lord, what do you want to tell these people? Because you know my Spanish is rather limited. And I got a simple phrase that was related to this gospel passage. And that is simply, God wants to live his life with us. God wants to live his life with you. And isn't that what marriage is about in its essence, in a sense? It's man and woman coming together and saying to each other, I want to live the rest of my life with you. I want to be your companion for the rest of your life, for the rest of our lives. Let's live together until death do us part. 
in sickness and in health, for richer or for poor, in good times and in bad. Let's commit to live with each other and for each other. That's what marriage is all about, right? And that's why God wants it to be a sign, a sacrament of his love for us. Because that's what he wants to do with each and every one of us. He wants to live his life with us in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, in richer or poorer. That's essentially the covenant that God made with his people. With Adam and Eve at the very beginning of time and in a special way, in a definitive way, when Jesus became a man and shed his blood on the cross for us. That was the new and eternal covenant. So he was committing himself to you and to me once and for all. And so spiritual writers look at the cross and say, well, that was, in a sense, the marriage bed of God and humanity. Right there on the cross. So we wouldn't necessarily conceive of that as being very romantic, right? And yet, God was trying to communicate something to us there. That even in your brokenness, even in the sinfulness of humanity, I love you and I choose you. You might say where it was hardest for God to choose us, he chose us. He chose to be our faithful God, our faithful lover, if you will, there on Calvary. And that wasn't the first time he did that, obviously. But it's the epitome, you might say, of God's merciful love for his people. But it didn't end there, right? We believe that he rose from the dead, and that's what we're doing here today. We're keeping holy the Lord's day right here, right now. And as an overarching theme for every Sunday is the resurrection. Jesus Christ is our living hope. And Jesus is alive. And he's living in each and every one of us by virtue of our baptism. We were incorporated into him. And if you look at that word, what corp, core, Right? Meaning body, corpus. Right? And so we've literally been incorporated into his mystical body. So now we have this intimacy with God thanks to what he did. Notice it didn't depend on you saying your prayers every day. Right? No, it's something God wanted to do. God took the initiative. He is the protagonist, as I'd like to say. So we just have to ask the Lord to awaken in us a greater awareness of his desire to live with us, to live his life with us, but not just with us, in us, yes, with us and in us through the Holy Spirit, but also through us, through us. He wants to touch other people. He wants to not only touch the people around you, but the whole world. And you can do that through your prayer. We just celebrated St. Therese, right, on Friday. 
She's the patroness of missionaries. Get that. And she lived behind the walls of a monastery. So she never went out to preach a sermon or to teach in a school or to care for the sick or refugees. She never did that. But in her prayer, she lived it with great desire and with great supernatural spirit, a great spirit of faith that she was not confined in the realm of the spirit, in the order of grace, which we've all entered into now by virtue of our baptism, she was not confined to the monastery walls. On the contrary, she knew that she could go anywhere in the spirit, so to speak, and love and pray that she be a a channel of God's love for the world. So we can all be that. And again, I'm asking God for a greater awareness of this order of grace, this new life that I have entered into by virtue of the sacraments, especially baptism. Yes, there's the order of nature, which we all live in. We can't escape that, right? But because Jesus, God, the divine one, entered into our human nature, he elevated it and brought us into the order of his life, the order of grace. So he humbled himself, he made himself poor in order to enrich us. And so now we share in his very life. And and marriage is a sign of that. It's a reminder to us that God wants to live his life with me as a friend, as a father, as a lover, as a savior, and that he wants to make me a co-redeemer with him. So that means all that I do, whatever I do in the name of the Lord, becomes a means of salvation for others. So I I actually do contribute to the salvation of the world through my prayer, through my love, my charity, I become a contributor to that effort, to the history of salvation. I leave my mark, so to speak. So we have entered into this great story that's been one of the themes of my preaching lately. The sacred story, which is Christ's, like no others, My life now is a sacred story with his sacred story. And so let's pray for a greater awareness of that. Jesus wants to live his life with me. He wants to share his story, history, little plan words there, right? His story. He wants to share his story, his life with me and my story. I've been incorporated into that. I've been brought into that. He's sharing it with me freely, lovingly, willingly. And so, Lord, wow, how me to just appreciate that. How me to believe it more and to participate in it more actively. Because then that really transforms our lives, right? Then you'll never be bored. You'll never be frustrated 
in a sense, because even when you have to, you know, wait in line, <laughs> wherever it might be, wherever, you know, you encounter sickness, poverty, sin, abuse of any kind, right? It's, it's all going to work out for the good. God is using everything, even death, to accomplish ultimately his plan for our good and the good of all the world. So let us thank him for his faithfulness and let's ask him for the grace to grow in this friendship with him. Call it divine friendship, call it whatever you want. But Lord, help us to grow in our awareness of your desire to live your life with us and help us to respond on our part with an act of faith and hope and love for you. Amen. Amen.